seeking collaborations with influential people, at GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farag and welcome to Get to Know You, a podcast for those who want to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, where conversations can become stronger when we explore our thinking and behavior. Every Tuesday, a new question will be asked to a guest speaker. Genuine people here to have insightful conversations. A big announcement. A new course has started called How to Get to Know You. We'll be giving away the first lesson for free on the website. The link is available in the show description. My guest speaker today is an award-winning creative strategist, director, copywriter, and speaker working on marketing and branding projects based in Lakeland, Florida. He's the founder and owner of Social Mosaic Communications, a responsive branding boutique and consultancy. He's worked from global giants to up-and-coming startups and everything in between. Alex is also a board member for the organization 100 Roses from Concrete, based in New York City. Under the Social Mosaic Communications, Alex has proudly collaborated with many clients throughout the years. Prior to Social Mosaic, Alex was a director of digital strategy and PR for Shifoni Lee, where he helped Alessi Foods, UBS and MGT Consulting, among others. Prior to that role, he was a creative director for Publix Supermarkets, where Alex has helped build a creative Omnichannel team focus on CRM loyalty, e-commerce, and social engagement. Alex's life story began in Mayaguith, I hope I'm saying that right, Puerto Rico, where he focused his childhood energy on the arts. He graduated from the University of South Florida, and he's 17 years into his marketing and advertising adventure. Alex believes in revolutionizing culture and the power of inspiring people through meaningful branded experiences. His core belief and guide is create with purpose, an idea built built on three core values, transform moments, challenge the norm, make a statement. Welcoming Alex Santiago to get to know you. Welcome, Alex. Hi, hi, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast. So, what? Tell me more about social mosaic communications. Yeah, so social mosaic communications began as a literal middle finger to the ad industry when I was going in school. I could not get any internships when I went back to portfolio school. I started working when I was nineteen, and I had experience, but I couldn't land any internships. And in the spirit of of youth, I had started my own bands, I had started my own studios, I had opened my own labels. And I said, you know what, maybe I'll just open my own agency. And uh, one of my mentors told me that the best way to build a portfolio was to help nonprofits. Uh, And social music communications became that front, it became the 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 brand that I that I envisioned um, to start doing um, work for for my portfolio while I was going to portfolio school. And you'll hear a lot of this industry, you have to pay your dues before paying dues. So there's a lot of a lot of that. Um, so basically what ended up happening is 11 years later, I leveraged the, the brand as my freelancing kind of front. And when the pandemic happened and I was let go from the last agency I was in, I just decided if I was going to die on, on the advertising store that I was going to do it on my own. So I decided to pull my LLC and I have been independent ever since. Fantastic. So what is the, what is your, your core focus in your agency? Like, do you have a, like a specialty of some sort? Yeah. So we like to say we do business plan to brand book. Um, We are in the business of purpose. We're in the business of truly helping a startup understand or a small business understand why they're in business in the first place deep diving uh deep diving into who they are what they believe in and creating um creating a brand right a lot of people think that brand 
is a logo. Unfortunately, mm. that's what the head of the mind goes to. But really, it's this uh, six core beliefs and values that that really drives you. Mm. Um, and as a creative director, I kind of shifted to creative strategies because I spoke marketing and I spoke right. I came from marketing before I was a creative. I was uh, I was a marketing student, and I have been doing marketing in some form since I was sixteen years old. So. I, I was always my success in creative was because I spoke the business you know language, and um, I was able to kind of like build a space where I'm doing the upfront creative um, upfront uh, brand strategy, who they are, why they exist, and then with our team, I can tap into different um, talents um, across the country. Um, then we build an identity and in a creative system, which is something that. We do that is slightly different. We we built brands for for the future. We built brands that are responsive in nature. That's why we call ourselves a responsive branding um, boutique. Mm. I love that. I love that. How you've uh, created that niche. That's fantastic. So, what is a typical day for you like? Um, for me right now, it's a little bit slow to be honest with you. Um, COVID has completely changed everything. I think like everyone will, will open every sentence with that. Um, right now I'm focusing on my family. I'm focusing on my kids. So my day to be hundred percent honest with you is very much taking care of my kids first, making sure that, um, they have what they need. So, um, part of, part of having my own business was understanding that you have two choices in, in this country. I was going to say life, but I don't think that's true. Mm. In the United States, you have a choice to make a lot more money or to lower your expenses. And what happened in 2020 is that I, I make that fundamental shift where it wasn't about, can I make six figures again? Or do I need to make a million dollars to be happy? It was, how can I lower my expenses so that I'm present? Mm. Um, present for my children, present for myself, because I am very vocal and open about my own uh, mental health struggles. And I am constantly trying to live in the space where I used to put myself last and I'm in the shift where I realized that if I wasn't taking care of myself, I couldn't take care of everybody else. So my typical day is first and foremost, taking care of my children. On the other side, I am working on the clients that we do have right now. We uh, have a couple of uh, consulting clients um, and consulting is really fun. That's the second half of, of the business because consulting because I have had such a broad experience from marketing to strategy to copywriting to production, consulting is coming in and really filling these gaps wherever they need me. So I have a, a couple of different clients who I am doing anywhere from business strategy to content strategy to social media strategy. And then I'm turning it around and I'm working with organizations to do programming. And, um, you know, you mentioned 100 rows of concrete. Um, that is a steady part of, of my day where if I'm having a conversation with Kenny, who brought us together, uh, shout out to Kenny Thacker. Um, if we're not having conversations, you know, throughout the days, then we are planning for what's coming next. Mm -hmm. um, and that has kept me, you know, really busy. Um, in the pockets here and there, then uh, I'm always writing. I'm very active on social media. Um, and I do my best to, um, to educate. So anytime that there's anything happening in culture, anything that I love doing strategic breakdowns. So it is a great campaign. Um, I'll do like a quick strategic breakdown on, you know, an Instagram story, for example. Um, and then a lot of that becomes really my marketing strategy, how I promote, um, the business, um, is showcasing the expertise through the education lens. And that's a, a passion that, um, goes directly into my personal purpose of inspiring wisdom through education. I happen to do it through the lens of marketing and advertising because that's the space where, where I live. So it's really interesting because I've, I've been able, semi-successfully, um, so obviously very stressful entrepreneurship is hard and you, know, you don't know where your next check is going to come from, but um, I am living, doing the things that I want to do helping people who I believe in. So th there's a dynamic there where um, success is not just a financial figure as much as the output and um, you know, my 
my um, internal satisfaction, um, which is something that is fundamentally different than, you know, Alex three years ago. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I love that. I love that you 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 sounds like it. you do what you want to do because you're going into you're like you're doing all kinds of things in different places. So it's like I feel like doing this. I'm gonna do it, and that's like something that a lot of like I don't think a lot of people people limit themselves, and you're not doing that. So that's really really fantastic. And what so like what is the difference? What changed from Alex three years ago? What was the 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 mindset shift? What happened? Um, that's a great that's a great question. So life is the the simple answer is life happened um i some you know something that is very um for the people who know me who hear this i am not afraid to self-reflect and um i am bluntly honest including myself um and I'm always assessing. I'm always assessing myself. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? That's something that, um, again, I believe that because that comes naturally to me is why I ended up in this space that I'm in. Um, and I just started looking at the world slightly different, right? Um, not just the need, financial needs of, of a career, but truly for someone who spoke about purpose all the time, I... Um, I was starting to lose mine, right? And, and it's because of the needs, right? Like keeping the lights on, paying your bills, it's scary. And then a lot of leaders who I speak to, that is the fear. Um, I'm one of those, I guess, crazy ones who decided to step down when my health started going to shit, when my mm. old part of my French, no, no, um, you're fine. <laughs> when, when my health started, you know, um, going down with, when I found myself in hospitals, when I started finding out that all these things were happening to me, I had to do a true pause and I decided to step down from a leadership rope that I was in at the time and started reassessing and really what is my purpose. And I went out to the West Coast and I did this whole purpose, um, you know, process with the help of um, a wonderful, uh, wonderful coach, Mark Shoshan, who's been part of my career in in different ways. Um, and, And I realized that I, I was lost in a line with an organization that I just did not believe in, right? Like mm-hmm. the things that they were doing were not aligned. So I moved on, um, right? Like I, I realized that I wasn't a victim. I just evolved. I changed. So I was, you know, I was almost like I was driving myself insane trying to change an organization that like, they hadn't, they were successful being themselves. I was just no longer aligned with, no. with that. And and that's hard. A lot of us get lost in that, right? So I went into a different, I went to a different organization um, of February 2020. And, you know, uh, March 2020, the whole world shuts down. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, coronavirus, COVID, as we know now, all of these months later, um, we, uh, it has exposed so much of what people really are. Right. It has brought the best of us. It has brought the, the worst of uh, in us. And um, long story short, that tenure was very, very short. Um, I realized, you know, that it was not um, a good fit. They realized it was not a good fit. And I just, you know, they moved on, let me go. And yeah. that's when I started doing kind of my own thing. So it was this combination of you know, my health started speaking on my behalf when I was, you know, put in the way. Um, the world gets hit with, you know, this massive, you know, historical pandemic. And my self-reflection pushed me to keep exploring and keep asking why of myself mm-hmm. and having those hard conversations with myself and my spouse, who obviously, like, I wouldn't be able to do any of the things that I do without her support and and her own you know love for for what we're doing and yeah and i'm literally you're speaking to someone who has suffered his whole life with anxiety and depression which means that i have never been great at living in the moment (laughs) Mm, Um, i'm always you know like my uncle gave me this beautiful you know this beautiful little nugget a couple of years ago and he was like anxiety keeps you fearing the future and depression keeps you stuck in the, you know, the pain of the past. And 
I knew about this word mindfulness. I knew about mental health. I was educating myself in all these areas. I went to see doctors. I took the the, the drugs, um, but none of it was really helping, you know. And and mindfulness became the obsession. Like, how the hell do I practice mindfulness? Like, what does that even mean, right? And um, and I'm not a very religious person, and you know, religion is where a lot of people are able to center themselves and. And, you know, and, and those rituals and sometimes dogma. Um, and for me, you know, I'm very much child of the universe and I'm very much, you know, what objective truths can guide you. I found myself trying to understand how do I practice mindfulness? And really, it became an exercise in deletion. It was an editing exercise. And as a copywriter. Hearing out. Yeah, as a copywriter, like you understand, like the magic is in the edit, right? Like you start cutting out the fat, you start cutting out. And that has been the exercise. What do I not need? What do I need to mm. keep myself centered? And um, and I'm still in it. I'm I'm going through it. I don't have a solution. I just have a journey. <laughs> that's right. It's never endless. It's just that's how it is. That Absolutely. People have to until it's until we go back, until go back to the dust, right? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. A great thing you mentioned at the beginning there um, that I think a lot of people get stuck in is when maybe a place, someone you're working with um, or the company you're working with, or it could be even something as like a friendship even. And it's like, okay, it, you know, they're aligned and it's working for them what they're doing or how, how they function and it's working for them, and it, but it's not aligning with you. And then uh, realising that, it's just not for you. And it's just like, instead of going into the mindset, I'm sure you were, there's something wrong with me. Always. And, but it's beautiful how you put it. It's like, no, this is just not aligning with me. I'm aligned for something else. That's why I don't feel good in this place. It's working for them. It's they're, they're aligning with it. I'm have, a, I have a different personality. It's not aligning with me. I'm going to take my, my place elsewhere, my space and take my, my energy and, and what uh, I'm going to gravitate towards what's resonating with me. So like realizing that even with people and things in your circumstances, situations, like realizing that and, and, and knowing, Hey, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. And I think like being able to click and go, Oh, it's just, I'm not meant to be in this space. For sure. And for the sake of transparency, for anyone listening um, to this, uh, I didn't have that clarity back then. Um, I, I was getting close to that. I knew, I knew, I knew that I was intoxicating myself by trying to change an infrastructure mm. that, um, was succeeding, right? Like there was no need, there was no need for them to change, you know, whether it made me uncomfortable or not, or whether I agree with it or not, it was irrelevant because that was their infrastructure, right? Um, I knew the when I made the decision to move on, by that point, I definitely understood like, okay, like stop drawing yourself insane, right? Like you're just, you are changing. And I think that that's the part that is really hard. There's a lot of people who speak about the things that I speak about, but are horrified of letting go of what they have. And I get it. I completely mm. understand However, when I was in my early twenties, um, I've been obsessed with NPR my whole my whole, my whole uh, <laughs> like teenage years on. Um, so there was this story about uh, this survey that they did with at the time would have been older than boomers would have been the the lost generation, I believe. Um, so it was the generation the older generation than the boomers, and. There was basically this, this story about regrets. And one of the most toxic things um, that the study basically found was people who had regrets in life ended up getting sicker and people who had regrets in life mm -hmm. ended up living. Like it was this like really interesting. And I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have the, the, I was like 20 years old. Um, uh -huh. So that story just moved me right it mm -hmm. was just such a moment of like live without regrets and again you hear that and you like see that in posters but those are really really hard emotions and really hard um things to understand until you have to make the decision of like are you going to leave a hundred thousand dollar job 
Are you going to walk away from the big thing? Are you going to say no to paying your house, right? Like that's the part that I'm not a hero for it, but I understand that that's where people get stuck and that's where the grind lives, right? The grind lives in the space where people are in a place um, out of fear. Ironically speaking, what we've seen in the last year and a half with, with, with COVID is like, right, what's happening? You have mass exodus in, in, in industries. You have people not wanting to return to work. And it's easy to say like, oh, it's just laziness. It's like, no, it's not laziness. Like these infrastructures have been ruptured for decades. I remember hearing my parents, right, like telling me stories. And I'm like, that makes no sense. Like, why would you, like, if you're there to make the money, why would they not listen to what you, right, like, None of that stuff makes sense to me. And what's happening is like, you know, we are all now 15, 20 years into, into our, you know, careers. Um, at least the, you know, the, the, the millennial generation and, 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 and the Gen Xers for sure, because Gen Xers have been like dealing with so much of this for so long that it just truly once mortality hits you in the face and once you like realize and all these like, global infrastructures get exposed you're like what the fuck right like there's just so that's what we're seeing a abrupt response to a pre-existing pain and 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 i'm just in the space where i'm like i was trying to tell you you know i mean like at least from my surroundings like and that's my whole thing that it doesn't have to be that way right like and you know you know i spoke before like if you create a space of people feel like they belong and people can connect with one another, um, you can rearrange those infrastructures, right? You well, it can, builds a stronger foundation. Exactly. You can, you can actually build for the future, but and I, won't, I won't get too much into it, but again, we are in a culture where it's like, it's the quick buck. It's, you know, like, capitalism it's all about the dog yeah. fight but then really that's not really true and um so anyway so we're seeing we're seeing the 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 human spirit just truly you know revealing again revaluing revaluing right completely that's it's everyone's a, it's, it's, like it's, uh-uh this doesn't why was i doing this this is a revolution good. It, it, literally it's a revolution Inch. it's a revolution of the soul and the mind so, Absolutely. That's perfectly put. Exactly. Exactly. And thank you for mentioning that. And listeners, the question that we we dived in that we're going to dive into, and um, Alex just uh, just touched on it, is how can we create our sense of belonging? This is big because a lot of us, like you said, a lot of us are seeking belonging. Um, I, I remember watching an interview with Brené Brown. She was talking with somebody about this, and she was saying, "It's like." I don't feel like I belong, even when I'm with a lot of people. I don't feel like I belong in, in so many different places. And something that a place where she does find that she does belong and a space that she creates for her for her daughter and for her children. Um, she was saying, you know, no matter what, this is what she said to her daughter, no matter what you do outside of the home or whatever you do, wherever you go, when you come back into this home, you know, you you belong here no matter who or what you, whatever you say. And, and so even among families, sometimes that's not created, that sense of, you belong with us. You belong here. You can say and do whatever you want, but know that you can find belonging here. And the other great point that she she pointed out too is that this is this is why, in her in her opinion and with her research and she's researched belonging itself, that we should find our sense of belonging within ourselves and not elsewhere and among other people. What do you think about that? Yeah, that that was exactly the realization that made me and helped me move on Mm. is that I was preaching all of these things without living it myself. I wasn't being true to myself. I wasn't being honest. And it was because of outside energy, because of uh, societal expectations, family expectations, because of the day-to-day. You have to have a place to live. You have to have a home. I have three children. So, you know, I am perfectly fine living in, in, in a, in a small apartment, but small apartment with three kids, it becomes very, very hard. A lot of people do it. A lot of my family came up, you know, in, in, in that way. Um, we have, we worked really hard 
to give our children, you know, comforts that we wish we had. A lot of what I do today is driven by trying to give people the things I wish I had. Um, I'm sure that I have a therapist session at some point to, to you know, work through that and, and, and sort that out. But, um, uh-oh. But um, that's something that, that has been the hardest. That has been the hardest because when you have um, the conditions that I have, that I live with, being mindful can quickly turn into a nightmare, right? Like, um, what, what do I, you mean? What do you mean by that? Being mindful um, can quickly turn into a nightmare. So, with someone like myself who struggles through anxiety and depression, um, I, I, I picking this up from Chester Bennington, who we lost to suicide about five six years ago. He said the most dangerous neighborhood that that I'll ever walk through is between between these two ears, um, and I say that all the time. Like this is a dangerous neighborhood. Um, when you have mental health issues, which a lot of people have and are dealing with because of these massive collective, right? From 9-11 as a 16-year-old, seeing planes crash into buildings to collapses, seeing our families, you know, lose jobs in the Great Recession, this pandemic, there's a lot of collective um, anxiety. Um, there's a lot of collective mental health issues that that um, that affect us, you know, a lot of us. I have something that I believe is an extension of genetics, right? Like my, my mother struggled through um, mental health issues as well. And I do have, I, I had a very loving but tough childhood. So when you're mindful, when you're trying to be present, I'll give you the hard example is, I realized that my mindfulness, um, my most simplest mindful moment is cooking. When you're cooking and you're slicing and you are, you cannot be anywhere else. Otherwise, you're going to burn it. You're going to cut yourself, right? Um, drumming is a great stress reliever for me. It's a, it's, a, it's a great recovery, 15, 30 minutes playing drums. You cannot be anywhere else. You have to be in that drum set. Mm. But when you're sitting in bed at, you know, seven in the morning and intrusive thoughts start getting, you are mindfulness lift. You are in the moment, but you're here. Right. And when you're trying to, when you're trying, and again, I, I, I say like, this is why religion is so important in, in culture, because those, those chants, those prayers focus your brain and almost, you know, put you in, 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 in a flow state when you have mental illness and intrusive thoughts replace that, right. That's where like shit goes sideways and you go from like, do I belong here? Am I really supposed to be here? to like all of a sudden your brain is jumping in front of a truck, for example, right? And then if you don't treat that, that's where things can go, you know, from intrusive thoughts to actual ideation to, to you know, potential self-harm. So, so that is a very, very hard thing for me, right? Like that's something, and, and I am so open about it. Because what happened is when I started speaking about my own struggles in mental health about four or five years ago and publicly writing about it, sharing, all of a sudden I started getting all this feedback, mm. right? It was like, oh my God. And of course, it's all in the private messages. Everyone, like nobody wants to speak about these things out in the open. True. The reason I'm saying all these things is because we all share so much more than we don't. And we are all under the same thumb without realizing it. And the reason we don't realize it is because we don't speak about it because we were trained by the people with the thumb on top of our heads to not speak about it because you make them uncomfortable, right? And that's the part where belonging comes in. And as, you know, as a person who, I am a brown man, I came to this country not being able to speak English, um, and ending up as a writer, ending up, you know, as, as a public speaker, like it's something that it means a lot to me, but it's also something that when you are in a marginalized group, when you are in a non-dominant group, you have more empathy for other people's experiences, right? Mm -hmm. There are certain aspects that you may not be able to understand fully because I'm never going to be a woman, for example, I'm never going to be, um, uh, uh, 
you know, Jewish, for example, like I'm not, there's all of these different groups that are going through very similar oppressions and very similar, um, uh, I, I keep saying the thumb, you know, like we all have the thumb over our heads, but we live in a space where we're not supposed to talk about these things, right? Sure. And what happened is as I became, a, as, I, as I became, uh, as I started rising through my, um, uh, my career, and you start getting sitting in these rooms and having those hard conversations. You're literally, you are making decisions that fundamentally would change someone's lives, right? Like taking somebody from a thirty thousand dollar job into a eighty thousand dollar job. It is life forming, right? Like once you have that kind of um, responsibility, it shifts things. But unfortunately, you also see wh- how bias affects people yeah and and that's why mental health is a huge part of things that's why a lot of people talk about diversity equity and inclusion and there's a whole infrastructure and and financial system that has been that has been built around that i like to speak about belonging because it's so much bigger everyone who feels marginalized everyone who feels like there's a pressure on top of them what they don't realize is that someone else is making that so. And the saddest part is that most people who uphold that pressure don't know that they are part of a a bigger system, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying conspiracy. I'm saying culture. Cultural norms is what what, what kind of um, puts all those pressures in place. And I just simply believe that if people took a step back and realized the the similarities right even though the experiences are different the behavior is the same right the treatment is the same um that's why i speak about belonging all the time and i did put out a survey out in my in my channels and i asked people what they thought belonging meant um and it was interesting because i was expecting more i was expecting more um more conversation but what I didn't know. kept getting, <laughs> or what was no, the response? Just, I think it, it's a hard. I think people don't want to have hard conversations. It's very uncomfortable. But the people who did respond, it was the same response. It was family. Everybody thinks family. Yeah, which but is that's funny. Not always, it's not because yeah, we celebrate like every family is dysfunctional. That has been a society. That's right. There's that's dysfunction, right. right? And I think like it's funny because I think that a lot of us romanticize the idea of things versus actually living inside of things, um, which the new matrix, uh, I don't know if you saw the new matrix. Uh, no. uh, so they, the, 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 there's a new movie coming out. The trailer just broke. And that is the whole notion of, are you living? Like, are you living in a reality or are you living in a simulation of a simulation? So like the layer, yeah. right? Like, we like the idea of family and like, but really it's Disney's version of family. It's movie versions of family. It's not really like family is fucking hard. Like growing, yes. raising these three kids, it's fucking hard, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, like absolutely. Living under the same roof with hormonal people is fucking hard. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so there's no fairy tale family. That, that's, that doesn't make sense. Right. So here's yeah. the thing. We know that, but we also, the first thing to say belonging is family. Mm-hmm. Right. Because and I think like that is the problem that we it's so much easier for us to live with the symbols of things and the the surface meaning of things um, versus actually dealing with um, with the reality of life. And I believe that is self-preservation. There's I'm sure people much smarter than me who understand why that is. I don't know the names of it, but that is my observation. So in asking my my community, my friends, you know, what belonging meant to them. Um, it was interesting because automatically I'm like family, that makes sense, but you still have humans in that. In that well, family. even if people say family, this is the thing though, this is what I noticed. People say family, but then they don't find that they belong. Like people don't, but you know, and, and, you know, maybe your family, if you're living in their house, but when you're outside of the house and you, you, you go into different places and go into different things, or maybe you're joining different groups of, you know, whatever it can be, whatever clubs that you want to join, but um, p- people are seeking 
belonging. So if it is family, why are we seeking belonging? So that didn't make sense. You know what, when you mentioned, when you talked about how people are like, you know, going into the past and mindfulness and I watched, have you seen, you know, that show explained on Netflix? I love that show. Yeah. Yes. Have you seen, did you see the one about, about memory? So when they were talking about, you know, memory explain and, and in the end uh, of it, yeah. they said people create their sense of self by going back in the past and then, creating their future events in their mind or what, what they think is the future. And that's how you create your sense of self. So maybe the, the hindrance there is because we do that, we're unable to, we, we also are maybe always seeking this sense of belonging because, because we're constantly creating our sense of self, but in a, in a negative way almost. Do, this is, is my yeah. theory. I, I like, what do I you like think that of theory. This theory? Um, I like the theory. I, you know, if you replace, I don't want to oversimplify because these are very big conversations that every single household and office should be having. Uh, I do believe that hard conversations need to be turned into regular conversations. I've been saying that for so many years and I will die saying that. Um, there is, for me, it goes down to understanding. And understanding, there's an even simpler version of it, which is being heard. And if you think about it, the dynamic, even in the family, you know, form, that is the whole struggle. A child is to be seen and not heard. Some household, they're not even to be seen. That power dynamic, again, we don't even realize that we're doing. And a lot of my leadership style and leadership epiphanies was in making hard choices with my own child, right? So I have my firstborn, is, um, it's on the autism spectrum. He has been, you know, um, my biggest challenge. Sorry. No worries. Let's just, I happen to have a gigantic truck. Do you hear the beeping? Yeah, don't worry about it. I guess. Let <laughs> me just, he's happen. almost done. I know. Okay, cool. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Hopefully this can be cut out, but yeah, no, it could oh. be a hilarious pause. It's cut for commercial. Probably not going to be able to cut out, <laughs> but people will um, hear it. No worry. All right. Well, all right. For everyone listening, there's a wonderful truck outside. I don't know why. This is suburban <laughs> living, I guess. Um, so, so, so my son, you know, I, I caught myself doing the things I didn't like as a child. Yeah. And that is because what you said, your brain, it's actually in control. You are just a meat stick, right? Like your brain is in control. And, um, and what we don't realize is that our, our unconscious intelligence, which is, you know, that gut feeling, that, that unconscious, is what drives the majority of what we do, right? Um, and if you had a shitty background, then that's why it was like, oh, I don't, I'm never going to do that. And then you do it because you don't have a frame of reference, right? Which is a little bit of what you were saying about your memory of what happened. It kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing. So, so what for me was like, how do I break the cycle, right? And a lot of, a lot of our generation are trying to break cycles. We know things are not right. We don't want to be the way that we are, right? Like we don't want, but we don't have a frame of reference. You're trying to solve a problem that you've never had a solution for, right? You might have nuggets, but you don't have infrastructure to solve it. You have more infrastructure to run a factory and a school and a daycare that you do on how to just be a good human being. Why? Yes. Because that was the church's job, Right. So there is yes. this incredible, so this is incredible manifestation of like, we know entirely too much culturally. So you've seen the decline in the church's role, right? Which by the way, was always supposed to be taking care of your why internally, right? And then you have your why externally. So you have an absolute breakdown on every infrastructure that has existed for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So for me, breaking away from those, norms breaking away from like making those decisions of like if i'm wrong i'm going to say i'm sorry even something that small right or never ever saying you don't have a say in this house right or i remember the first time that you know i had a, it was a conversation i was very mad but it was i i control myself enough to tell him like 
the whole like this is our home this is our thing like when you're 18 you can go away and i stopped myself because when i said it i was like you don't fucking mean it you do not mean it the last thing you want this kid to do is what i did which is buy a house at 18 and just go figure it out you know what i'm saying like but it still came out of my mouth. Why? Because all of us are in this, you know, in the cycles of our memories and this cycle of, of what we're doing. So if you think about it, people just want to be heard and then deeply, deeply understood. Right. And and that's the beginning. That is the beginning where I try my best to speak to leaders when I when I when I when I when I do my when I want to do my talks. And, and I'm not a DEI professional. I'm not a certified DEI person. Um, I'm in those realms because I'm a brown man who talks about the, you know, fucked upness of, of, of an industry that is trying to self-correct, but really not trying. And, and every industry is like that, because when you get in front of people's money, shit gets crazy. Um, I try my best to let people understand that for every non-dominant group, if they come together, and they can eloquently express themselves. The people who are making those decisions are going to have, you know, less of a choice to ignore it. Because when you have 17 different people, right? If you have women coming at you with their issues and you have brown men coming at you with their issues and you have, um, you know, people of color coming with their issues, you have all these different groups that coming at you. It's a bleeping time. When you have people who come together, and say, this is the behavior that we do not appreciate and we do not like, how can we move forward? That is an exercise in hearing one another and understanding what the needs are and then moving forward. And that's my obsession is moving forward. I, I, I consider myself a futurist. I am obsessed with the future. I wish that I could live to see a future of grandeur and technology unlike any other i am i think that's the hard part though the hard part is the moving forward like people aren't seeing each other people aren't hearing each other and people aren't wanting to understand each other but we have to ask why is that they don't want to know they don't it's it's too much work for them it's too much work why why do you want to you have to spend too much time doing it of course it isn't profitable they there's a lot of time that you need people that's why i guess with this question and i think it you know, people need to create this sense of belief. That when I was a kid, I, 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 I was always appalled by this idea of my older half. I never understood, like, why in the hell would you need someone else to complete you? Sure. Right. And, but again, it gets romanticized. It becomes part of the vernacular, it becomes part of culture. Um, and I always believed, I'm like, a relationship should be someone who makes you better, right? Like, you are both rocks yeah, for one another. It makes you feel good, makes you better, it, absolutely. Exactly. So it, may, it makes you it makes you better. And I believe that that is a big part of this. Being being having a sense of belonging within yourself. It's too many layers like we don't even accept ourselves. Right. Like that's true. We are, like, that's why we're we, seeking it from other people, I guess, because we're not even course. we're not even able to accept it in ourselves. We want who... belonging and understanding and, and someone accepting us. We seek it in a partner, in a, in a relationship. You're always looking, you're always looking for someone else. And then that becomes the issue. Like that is not belonging. That is belonging to someone else. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's like and, codependency. It's like, no, that's exactly. not exactly codependency is, 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 um, it, it, that's why you have so many unhealthy relationships. Right. So when, when you speak about it in the sense of home and the sense of uh, career and the sense of everything, um, I do believe that a lot of people are doing the work and that people are really like, self-assessing now more and that again when when mortality hits you in the face like COVID-19 has right 9-11 I was 16 years old I didn't sleep for three days because I was waiting for a bomb to go off anywhere in the country like when you are you know in that and which is usually why older people are you know like you get you accept yourself long you know when you get older and it's funny because I'm like well why because well you're closer to an inevitable you know, inevitable moment in life, right? Like, you're yeah. like, you know, I set myself now and that's what you have. Like, you get older and you get, um, you're a lot more um, aware, a lot more accepting of yourself, even if what you're doing is wrong, right? Like, again, we're seeing it right now with, like, I live in Florida, like, nobody wants to vaccinate, nobody wants to wear a mask. Like, you get older 
and you're like, fuck it, I don't care, right? Like it's and 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 that those are the things that become that become kind of hard because you know it can go sideways, it can go the other way, right? Like we're constantly trying to seek balance in everything that we do. Nature at least is. Um, if you're self-aware, you're constantly trying to seek balance. Um, and, and and that's just we cannot escape it. Again, everything, everything is, you know, everything is trying to find its 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 middle ground. Yeah. So so, so based on this question and the and, and like looking at it in a so for you, are you saying that we actually can't create our sense of belonging only within ourselves? We need other people to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think like you you were always trying to understand yourself. You were always trying to um you're always going to battle accepting yourself. I do believe that as a as a species, and I'm not like not just the human, like as living things, finding other energies is part of what life is. Um, I'm obsessed with the atom. I've always been obsessed with the atom. I believe that all answers to the universe lives inside of the atom. Um, and and all, all that is, is electrons, going back and forward. Absolutely. You feel people's right. vibes. You feel Ma- people's energy. That's why, you you know, people can say all the right things, but you're like, no, I don't feel good around this person. Why is that? Exactly. And, and which is funny because then, you know, M- like string theory takes that even a step further because then you're like, if everything is v- a vibration, right? Mm-hmm. Like it makes more sense. As far as the observable, the observable universe, things thrive when they are together. Sure, and that's, no humans thrive thing. when they are together. You perform better when you become a team, when you are together with people. And that's why the ultimate thing we crave as humans the most is human connection. So I think I agree with you. I think, you know, I think there needs to be a strong part of, of knowing who we are or, like, accepting ourselves. I think if you accept yourself, you don't get you're – not, uh, you're not altered or you're not um, – you don't feel insecurity – about not finding your sense of belonging or not being aligned with a certain company or not being not aligned enough. with certain friends because you're not accepting who you are. It's, 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 the, it's, it's the biggest illness. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for this job. I'm not good enough for this family. I'm not good enough for these friends. Um, again, I, that, is such, that is such a painful but real thing that is happening right now. And something I want to say, I had this huge epiphany this summer. Uh, I went to Puerto Rico, so my family had been in the decades since I had been. Wow. And um, yeah, it was a long, long time. And I, my last day, I had this really great conversation. It was in the context of political. It's not relevant. The takeaway was really relevant, which is there's more money, there's more profit in conflict. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is again, if anybody can take anything from me, in this what, what do you mean for companies or in families or in, in, in general? In general, you think there's more there, profit in conflict? There is people more, don't have to deal with each other. <laughs> there's more profit. We'll, we'll check. So, check this out. The, 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 what I mean by that is that when you have a dominant figure, right? So, let's say, let's do family first and business second, if you allow me. Mm-hmm. So, let's say a father, right? I'm a father. A father who keeps the family in conflict. What is the father to that family? Just give me, give me one, give me one. So what, what is the father in, in that, in that unit? He becomes the guardian. Yes. He becomes a decision maker. He becomes the final say. Yes. Right. My word. Why? Because I'm the man of the house. Yeah. I'm sure everyone has heard this in their lives. Yes. There's more profit in conflict. So if that person, right. Let's switch that. It's not about being a man. It's just an easier example. If you have, right, you have, um, you have, let's say, three, four, four women friends. We all make fun of this. There's been movies made of Mean Girls. There's yeah. been so much money has been made on like, there's always the one starting shit. Why? Because they're seeking attention and it's always the same story. It becomes, it's all about I'm in control. I'm in dominance. Right. When you go into the workspace, 
right? If I'm making sense. If you go into the workspace, it's the exact same behavior. There's more profit in conflict. So it's more profitable to keep people fighting one another, you know, instead of in an office, because then they tell you like you're the manager. The manager handles the conflict. We need a manager. We need a manager to play the role between all these people, right? So, so you're saying a leader wants conflict? No, I'm saying the last point that decision makers, people in dominant positions. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to the biggest level that we have, which is government. Government needs conflict. You need to have war to make money. You need to have farmers fighting one another to get a better deal. When we're based on the lowest price, the only way you can get the lowest price is people going at each other. What happens is in a world of, you know, say the 1800s, where basically New York City and London and, and, and Paris were the only three places making decisions for the whole damn world, a farmer in, in Florida didn't, wasn't aware of that. They didn't know. Right? They didn't know that they we're doing things up in New York that were going to affect them for the next 30 years. Redlining, right? There's a whole bunch of people in fucking Washington deciding what the lines in all of these different areas are going to be, right? So what happens? You're creating conflict, mm. right? So what happens is all of those systems, and that's what's funny when people say, I'm not political. It's like everything is political because everything, every decision that politicians make affects you directly in some form. So I had this epiphany and a lot of my struggles is that, is that if you don't have a DEI problem, you don't have DEI people, right? If you don't have gas shortages, which is completely invented by futures in the markets, then you don't have profit, right? Like, mm. so it's something that is just innately, that is the other side of humanity, right? Like those side, we do have negative energy running through us just as much as, right? We have as many electrons as we have, you know, like we have more electrons than we have the, the proton and, and a neutron, right? That's my guide. I see the world a little simpler. It needs to be, right? You can show up though, like I guess, like daily, you can show up if you, you know, you're mindful, you're present, you practice meditation, you do, you know, you do what makes you feel good. You're projecting a positive energy to people. Like if you're able to have a routine of doing certain things, obviously we'll all have our shit days. But if you have a routine of doing things and you are aware of your emotions and what you are projecting, you can you can maintain a higher frequency. When people do, you know, like as you're talking about, I'm very much into this too. As you're talking about vibrating on, on frequencies and like we're all, we're all made of atoms, so we're all vibrating. Like humans have a frequency. They don't realize you can measure humans' frequency. When they say you're at a higher frequency, you're actually more peaceful, you're more content, you have gratitude within yourself. When you're vibrating at a low frequency, you're jealous, you're, you know, you hold grudges, you're angry. This is, this is basically, and people can measure this. We can measure this frequency um, within ourselves. So it is like if you're actively aware of this, we, you can create, um, you know, daily routines to, to make sure that you are vibrating at a high frequency. For sure. And so, and that's, and that's I think like the beauty of this conversation is in that you are responsible for that component. You are responsible for what your day-to-day -day is going to be, my challenge to the world, I suppose, is how do we collectively evolve the systems in place that we know are not working, that we know are not benefiting the majority of people? Yeah. That is why belonging is so important to me because what I'm saying is, yes, there's work to be done, Yes, there is baggage that comes with historical bias and systems that are in place, but if you can have that ability to work within yourself and find those people around you who you think are nothing like you, but are actually asking for the same thing, that's when we can actually take that next step Absolutely. as a society, as a people, as a country, etc. I think the the, the the what you hit on the nail on the head there in the beginning of that was that you know 
to make this societal or bigger move forward like you want and like we all want, the, the, the issue is that, and this is the point and the, the intention of my podcast is understand yourself go inside yourself, understand why you, you know, if you are exploring yourself more and knowing uh, your limits and why you think certain things about certain people or why you don't, or, you know, why you are not aware and be having this higher awareness and, and, and working on yourself, that is when we can make a bigger shift forward with people, with, with big, with big infrastructures that are built, unless people are working on the infrastructure within the big push forward will not happen. What well, I cannot say any better, so I'm going to shut the fuck up because, yes. <laughs> yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And I think that's the, 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 and that's what you said. Like you said, a lot of things that we need to move forward or push forward or, or work on or things. Like you said, we don't, we're not taught how to be human. We're not taught, they don't educate us on our emotional intelligence at school. They don't educate us on why we think certain things. They don't, you know, schools don't have time or they don't want to. In, in well, a lot of households and families, we all, the parents are working all the time. They're not even around. Like, you know, a lot of poor families and things like that. Like, you know, so it's, it's like unless we build these systems at a, at a foundational level, like in, in schools, we need to like, for you to make these grand changes, like you need to start by pushing, putting these systems and putting these, like putting some protocol, not protocols, but putting in like, like emotional intelligence courses, starting when you go to kindergarten. Well, that's something. So that's something that's really interesting. I, I, I had this conversation. I speak about this quite a bit because I think sometimes people are, People know that something is wrong, but they don't know how to like pinpoint it. And and school is it's really funny because one of my good friends, I was kind of breaking down to him. Have you ever thought about why schools look exactly like you know the workspace? What do you mean? Well, you're going you know seven to seven to three, or you're going to nine to five, or like you know, it's like most people coming up are not aware, right? Because again, you don't teach it in history when you need the, 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 the space to be there, that the school system was, you know, a response to the industrial revolution, right? So you needed people to come into a classroom, learn a subject, repeat it back, sit in the same place for eight hours, and then come back day to day. People don't realize that that was by design, right? And at the time, the country needed it, right? So I'm not saying that it's wrong. The country needed that. Same thing with NASA, right? Like when the when the the space race started happening, we didn't have the scientists. So, but who the hell? Like nobody wonders why calculus is in high school or why trigonometry is in high school. Like, right? Like we needed more scientists. So all of a sudden, school had to shift into like we need yeah. to make more scientists. So how do we find these people? So it's funny because I didn't hear the words critical thinking until my third year in college. Yeah. Now that's fucked, right? That is. Like, like I felt so betrayed. Why am I hearing this why, now? Hear why, you know, like why? And then obviously you're going down the rabbit hole and reading what it is and what it means. Um, then as an adult, design thinking, like, why are we not teaching design thinking earlier? Well, why? Because this is the system that's in place. And just, again, I'm speaking of the United States, just how our roads and bridges infrastructure are falling apart, all of our other systems are falling apart because they're 100 years old, the whole world changed, and no one can wants to stop making profit for five years because they cannot see that they're going to be able to make profit for the next 100, yeah. right? Like. And that is the part that I, I, I just, that's the one part that makes me boil, right? Like, Sure, I absolutely. You, I, I totally understand. I, I talk about this all the time too. I'm just like, why are we working most of our life? I don't understand this. Who made life where we have to be working working most of our life? Because no. again, because like, profit yeah. lives in conflict. Exactly. Because they need you to. Be, and that's my point is you need to go back, follow the money. Right. Now like, they don't need us to. Well, they some people want us to because they're higher up. They're doing no work. Oh, no, now now they're pissed off and everyone is lazy because they don't want to go back to making three dollars an hour and tips yeah, exactly. dealing with assholes, right? Exactly. Like it's hilarious to me. I'm like, no, 
Well, now a lot of people is a push for entrepreneurship, and now people are like, no, I'm going to go Everyone do my own thing. Everyone is trying to find, of Everyone's course. Trying like, to do now that. we have one of these. Yeah. We have the internet. Everyone's like, all right, stuff that. I'm going to go do my own thing. And it's a, that's better anyway. That's great. Like, even, yeah. you know, like, you know, it shouldn't be five-day work days. I, I reckon, what, three and a half days. You want to you want to split it? Go down to three and a half days. I don't know why. Why do we have, even, in, like, countries, like, you know, in Finland, they have four-day four day, four day work days and four-day schools, and they don't give the kids any homework. Yeah, they, and they give them a three day weekend. And a lot of companies yeah, are starting to do that now. Four day work, four day work weeks. Some of the but, most successful, successful, successful people. But here's the thing: that what is also happening beneath that is that um, they're also automating everything, right? So I think in, in the next, in the next between Earth spitting back at us and man trying to again increase their profit by eliminating the human, the human, um, the human variable. Auto, you know, like automizing everything, you know, the role of, of robots, there's a lot of really big, heavy shit that the humankind are not aware, like, what the fuck are all these people going to do, right? Like, there's going to be a really, really serious, you know, come to Jesus moment or whatever, for lack of a better term, like, there's going to be a huge collective moment of what the fuck is our role now? Right when everything gets automated, when like it's 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 going to be really interesting, and, and I'm an optimist, even though I have all my struggles, I am an optimist deep down inside, and I wish for a world where we have more time again to connect, we have more time to put our brains together to figure out: Are we going to be multiplanetary? Are we going to travel outside? Are we going to solve like? Could we have a whole bunch of machines doing the minutia work so that we can actually focus on how the fuck do we reverse what we're doing to Earth, right? Like, there's so much that's happening. And it's funny because for me, again, anxiety, that's the part where I'm like, I love doing thought exercises. I love thinking about 25, 50 years down the road. But then I place the craziness of the human variable and how people are reacting, for example, to putting a fucking mask. And, and I worry, I panic. I literally, I have full blown like anxiety attacks because I'm like, we're fucked. You know what I'm saying? And I, so I'm constantly fighting that optimism of like, I know that people can suck. I am not perfect, but I have a fundamental hope in humanity, right? Like, we have done the right thing in history. Now, what we've never seen in history, I, you know, again, like information and information overload is affecting us in a way that, again, if you, if I, if my ancestors in fucking Puerto Rico, like they didn't know what the fuck was happening in India. I had no idea what was happening in China, right? Like you didn't have a collective globe experiencing the same shit feeling the stressors of the same things like this morning i heard about texas and louisiana and there's a 20 inches of rain i'm horrified for my family there for my friends there like i would have not known that you know houston was going to get flooded in the next 24 hours with a you know nasty slow moving hurricane like that's the thing that is very very different and why if people don't start going in, into, into the self, we can see a legitimate collapse, right? If you cannot find that strength of like what to delete, what to ignore, understanding what's real and what isn't, right? Like just the fundamentals of what real and what isn't. I'm really intrigued as to, as to where that's going to go and why these things matter. And we're talking about such heady, heady things. I'm in the business of connecting people. I'm in the, I am in the business you know, of communications and what makes people tick and audiences and, and, and how human behavior moves business, right? Like we need business. We need advertising. As I just believe that as long as you do it in an honest, real way, you're going to have a better society for it. Absolutely. You know I mean? Absolutely. That's perfectly well said. That's, that's perfect. Great. Um, Thank you so much, Alex. This has been a really great conversation. I love how we just dove into it and we went into all these different places because it all is connected and it's all relative to each other. So thank, thank you. you so much for this wonderful conversation. 
And uh, I love to ask my guest speakers at the end of each podcast, how can this, how did this conversation with me right now made you reflect or highlight anything to you? This conversation made me very hopeful. Again, talking about belonging, the fact that other humans we just met maybe two weeks ago, the fact that you are exploring, questioning, and speaking about very intimate things that I often don't get to speak about is very refreshing and is very hopeful for me. Um, and the fact that you're recording it and giving it out to, to the universe is very exciting. So thank you for your time, for your insight, for your intelligence and your wisdom. Uh, it's such a true honor to meet you, to be here. So thank you so, so much. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much. And where can people find you? I am all over. I am all over social media. S-O-S-A-I-C. Sosaic. That is my my handle in every single platform you can find me. Perfect. Um, well, I'll tag you in that for the listeners and uh, they can they can connect with you there and on, all, on the social Google media. Just Google me. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Get to Know You. If you enjoy this podcast, rate, review, and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at Get to Know You with Tiffany Farrick. In my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, I want to hear from you listeners the question again. How can we create our sense of belonging? Leave an audio, video, or a message on the Facebook or Instagram page of your response to today's question, including your name and where you are from. We will include some different responses in next week's Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss, be sure to tag me to post with your question. Join us every Tuesday on Get to Know You.